listening to another powerful message from C3 Southwest Washington. We are so excited you're here with us, and we believe God has more in store for you. While you're standing, uh, great job today, guys. I wanted to just some props out to, um, uh, to Abby. Great job on leading us in prayer. Uh, want to really challenge you to lean in. It, the, Jesus said of his house that my house shall be what? Called the house of what? Prayer. Prayer. And this is one of the places where we engage together and we pray together and we learn to pray together. And the great thing about all the loud people praying out loud is you can hide behind their voices and dabble in praying out loud yourself. There is no recorded silent prayer in the entire Bible. I mean, that's just common sense, but that's the reality. Well, I don't like to pray out loud. Well, every prayer in the Bible is actually out loud. In fact, when Jesus was asked by the disciples to teach us to pray, Jesus said this. He said, pray saying. In other words, I want you to say something. There's a great power in the words when we say them out loud. I mean, you could be in love with a girl across the room and you can send her your happy thoughts or you can actually start a conversation and ask her out on a date. You are not going to drive, draw her into your tractor beam. You don't have one. And so saying things out loud are powerful. A lot of what you're praying over are things here on earth that God in heaven already agrees with. But by praying out loud, you're informing the atmosphere of heaven's will. I, you'll never hear me pray a silent prayer. If you're sick, we're praying out loud. You know why? Your sickness needs to hear God's will. And so we want to challenge you to pray out loud. And Abby, great job praying for our C3 family. Also, Jameson, great job so far back on the soundboard. First solo day, I think he's back there. Is Where is he at? Did he? I think he's back there. Is he? No, he's not back there. Okay, so uh, uh, Jameson, great job next time that you fly solo. Okay, anyways, I was going to thank a couple people. I maybe shouldn't thank anybody else for anything. I might get it all wrong. Uh, okay. Let me shift. I apologize. Uh, scripture. We're in a series entitled Follow Me. John chapter 11, verse 27 uh, is a great, great verse as we talk about this idea of following Jesus. We as a group of people, as we gather, this is a gathering of people who follow Jesus. And when you step into this room, you might not be following Jesus yet. Did you hear that? What was the key word? Yet. I'm just confident that as we gather together and as the heavens open up a little bit and you're introduced to him for the very first time, like, whoa, what's going, I feel something. Yeah, it's called his presence, it's the Holy Spirit. I'm just convinced that one taste of him and you'll want to begin to follow him. Just convinced of it, because that's how it happened for me. And with the very first step, you step into a relationship, not really sure where this is leading, maybe not sure where it's going, but you begin to put steps after steps. And so in this room, there's people who have yet to follow, there are some people who have just started following, and that's cool and scary and awesome. There's some people who've been following for a long time and have actually maybe stalled out a little bit and are just kind of circling around, you know, waiting to try to figure out what should I do next. And, and so this series is for you as well, to help you to continue following Jesus. And there's some of you who've been following Jesus for a long time, and you've been running the race and winning marathons, and you've got some injuries, and you've overcome them. This is for you as well, because being a Christian is, is about following Jesus. My goal here is not for you to believe in God. The devil believes in God. He's convinced. My goal is not for you to believe in God, but it's for you to follow 
Jesus. Amen. And so in this series, we really want to help you to begin to understand what, what the steps include. And this has been for my preparation. I uh, had a plan all laid out. It seems like every week it feels like something bubbles up. And as I'm praying for you, um, something I was going to speak on now is to the side and something's different. Today is one of those cases. I don't have a three-point message. I have an idea that I feel like urgently I need to push to the forefront for some of you because um, this idea of believing Jesus is, is foundational, okay? Read this portion of scripture to you. John chapter 11, verse 27. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. Now, in other words, I'm not saying I believe everything you say because I haven't heard you say everything yet, but I want to start off by declaring, I believe you. I believe in you. I believe in who you are. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world and also coming into my life. Uh, so with that, I want to be able to engage you on this, the topic of following me means believing, okay? Hand over your heart. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for your goodness today. Lord, I thank you for the good people that are in this room that uh, maybe haven't always acted good, but because of Jesus' death, resurrection, and, and work in our lives, you are making us more into your image, which is good. And so, Lord, I pray that you help me to communicate truth today. I pray, Lord, that this will be powerful for some who struggle with this initial, really this context. It's the operating system behind all of what's going on that needs to be there as I follow you. And so I pray, Lord, you'll help me to communicate this in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand. High five the person next to you. Make their hand. Listen, it's not a high five if it doesn't sting a little bit. Some of you didn't even high five. Don't make me come out there. I will high five you and you, you will not forever forget it. Okay. Have you ever believed a lie that radically affected maybe your, the trajectory of your life? Anybody in this room? You believed something that was not true. Um, I have a buddy, and you, everybody needs to have a buddy like this, who has a good southern drawl, and when they talk, everything that they say just sounds fascinating and hilarious and funny. My buddy Scott, he's originally from Mississippi, lives in Ohio. Some of you have met him. He's preached here. He's pastored. Uh, he's just a great, great, great friend, and so I call him. He's I, I used to joke that he's my therapist because he tells these funny stories. And if I'm going through a rough time, I listen to one of his stories and all of, you know, all that stuff melts and I'm just laughing my head off. And I used to joke that I needed to pay him. And in the last couple of years, he got his master's degree in counseling and now actually is a professional counselor, which is shocking to me because I know him, but he is wise. And uh, here, let me tell you a story about him that is a little bit off color. That parents, you'll have to, uh, well, it's not off color that way, but it's just a little odd to be coming from the platform. But it goes to show you, it depends on who you listen to, who you believe. Be who you believe is more important necessarily than what you believe. Because the person you believe in, the source, will determine what you're going to accept that comes out of their mouth. I don't believe hardly anything Scott tells me because I've known him for a lot of years. This is somebody who has, after we've, uh, who got a deer and left the guts in a box in the back of my truck on purpose so that a couple weeks later would get stinky. Some of you, as I told you, it's gonna be a little sideways here. So he goes out in the woods, and this is a scam that he plays with a lot of guys. He's tracking a deer. He's with a younger hunter, 
and he'll kneel down and he'll find some deer droppings on the ground and he'll, he'll dig through them with his hands and they, they look like raisinets for those of you who are thinking this is like something, it's, you know, it's not clean, it's not good, but he's like messing around with them like the raisinets and he lifts them up and he's like, ooh, this is, this, is a, this is a buck. And the young hunter will always look at him and be like, oh, how can you tell from the poop? He's like, oh, no, no, listen, put this in your mouth and crack into it and if it's a buck, it will be sour but if it's a doe, it will be sweet. Nine times out of 10, whoever he's hunting with will actually try this and bite into it. And as soon as they do, Scott dies laughing and he thinks it's hilarious. You're mortified. I think it's hilarious. Uh, I know he's not pulled that off on me. But my point there is that, you know, the source of whom you believe is critical. Believing. Who do you believe? Who have you been listening to? Who is the source of information for your life? Back in 2012, when my kids were younger and at home, there was a series that launched on MTV called Catfish, uh, the TV show. And it was about an investigator who would come into relationships that started online where the two people had never met. If one party was concerned that the other person wasn't who they really said they were. And this investigator would gather all the resources and try to figure out, is that person who they said they are in their profile? And the term catfish is used for someone who creates a fake online profile using somebody else's better picture and somebody else's more interesting life and information to trick someone into falling in love with them or at least giving them their resources. And so there were so many fascinating shows watching how people had lied and used somebody else's picture and somebody else's story, and yet this person is listening and buying into all of this, in some cases sending them money, some cases paying house payments, some, places buy, some cases buying cars. And in fact, the most fascinating episode I ever watched was where the investigators were able to show this individual that the person you're talking with online is not that person at all. In fact, here is who they are, here's a picture, here's their life, and there's a huge chasm between what they're saying and reality. And I watched that person who had hired the investigators for uh, this program, who looked at the investigator and says, I don't care, I'm going to still keep having a relationship with them anyways. And I remember thinking, that is so bizarre, and yet there is a flavor in that in all of our lives that we have all experienced. Now, here's the reality. Who you believe ultimately leads to what you will believe, out of which all of life outcomes flow. Some of you have watched programs about cult leaders who have been able to convince people to do the most bizarre things over periods of time, even give their lives intentionally by drinking poisoned uh, Kool-Aid and waiting for aliens to come and get them on some cliff. And you think to yourself, how could those people believe that? But if you back the train up, it's less about them believing that. It started with believing in the source of the information. It started with a relationship. It started with believing in someone. Who you believe will lead to what you believe, and out of all of your life will come that because what you believe in forms your actions. This idea of whom you will believe has been contested before you ever showed up on the planet. It was actually contested way back in the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, God the creator who created the heavens and the earth with his own word 
and then fashioned Adam and Eve with his own hands and gave them rulership over the world he created. He gave them a command and he said this, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. And then he gave them the reason why. Now it's probably condensed here, but he expressed to them, don't eat of that tree. You can eat of all the other trees. Don't eat of that one because the day you eat of that, you, and he says this, you shall, say it with me, surely die. Like, it's not probably, it's not maybe, it's like definitely, it's surely going to happen. And one chapter later, that it, God, God is, what he said is contested. But it's not just what he said, it's who he is that's contested. It's him being challenged as being the source of truth. Can God be trusted? Is what he says, is he trustworthy? Or is he holding out? Is he lying to you? Is God as a source for your life information, is he trustworthy? That's what gets contested. Less about what God said. There in chapter three, verse four, but the serpent said to the woman, and let me hit a pause right there for a second. We are reading about a serpent, but it's not a snake serpent like we understand today. The Bible says that this serpent, which was just the name of a type of animal, actually was a four-legged creature. But understand this also, as he has dialogue with the woman and ultimately the man indirectly, it is not him who is speaking, it is something else kind of reaching in through him as a puppet. And what I want to challenge you to understand is sometimes there are people speaking, sometimes there are circumstances speaking, sometimes there are thoughts in our heads where we think that's coming from a certain source when really there is another person masquerading to be that person who is ultimately behind with a different agenda than your best. And so while this cattle, four-legged cattle, before he's cursed for deceiving the woman, he is used by the devil, and he says what here? You shall not what? Surely, it's, it's a repetition of what God said, but it's a contradiction. You, you're not gonna die. And then he goes on to attack the character of God. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. In other words, God's holding out on you. Oh yeah, God said he's given you all this stuff and it seems like he's good, but if he really was a loving God, then would he really keep you from eating from the best tree in the group? Sound like some arguments that you've maybe heard in your own head? Well, if God was really a loving God, why would he allow that to happen? If God was really, really kind, why would he? And then we begin to fill in the blank with all sorts of circumstances. Now, while these are things that you've thought about, and while these are things that you've heard people say, I want to challenge the source because what Eve needed to understand is I am not talking with what I think I'm talking with. I'm being catfished right here. There's something behind this that has a different agenda. And it's the same agenda that these voices have in your life today, to take something of value from you, to rob you of something that's rightfully yours, but they would take in a heartbeat because it's not theirs. Amazing. He says, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. God doesn't want you to be like him. Wait a second, let me just, again, pause. God has already created you in his image. 
You are already almost like God compared to anything else on this planet. You are the image bearer of God, Adam and Eve. In fact, God has handed his command over the, over the earth to you. You function on this earth like God. There is nobody who is more like God than you. You're not God, but you are in his image. Like this thing that this, this voice is trying to tell you you can have, you already have. Oh, that's a slick lie right there. Is that not an amazing lie? It is a master lie. This is not your amateur 101 stuff. Uh, the dog ate my homework. No, this is crafted. This is well done. To convince somebody that is beautiful that they are ugly? To convince somebody that their physical body is unattractive? To convince somebody that they are unloved who is absolutely loved, and yet the enemy is so effective. He is not 101. He's not 201. 301 or 401, this is, this is doctorate-level lies because he's the author of lies. You know, Genesis 3-4 reads as a short uh, conversation, but it was likely much longer. You see, the snake was massaging the truth to make the truth, which is very appealing, to be unappealing. And he's also massaging the lie to make the lie seem more appealing. The snake also massaged the woman's ears so that as she heard this individual speaking, he would begin to sound more trustworthy in the lie than the truth teller God himself sounded. That is the function of the wicked one. Ultimately, the, the lie was to get her to let go of the truth and understand this, Satan is always telling lies because he's the father of lies. So why lie? I think this is maybe something that you need to really consider that you might really need to understand. What is at play here? What, 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 what is this game? In Adam and Eve's case, take a close look because this is also the case for you if you believe the lie. Now, in, in that, the case there, why lie? What is the win? What is the liar actually after? I sat with a developer one time in my younger years of my life, got quite a bit of involvement with real estate and, and development of property and buying and selling, and I sat with a couple as they met with a developer. This developer owned a huge, like, quarter-mile city block and he owned all the properties to the back next road, and then he owned all the properties over to the back next road, and then all the way up to the corner. He had already developed this section over here. He was wanting to develop this section over here. He had purchased all of these, but there was a family on the main road in a little tiny house that wasn't the greatest sitting right in the middle. It was the last piece. Now, the developer came in himself. He didn't send anybody else, dressed really casual, Asked if he could come and meet with them. He was excited to meet them. Sat down. They offered him some coffee. I bet he didn't even like coffee, but he drank their coffee. And it was the, oh, this is the best of coffee. And I watched the dance all play out. And in the process, he explained to them, you know, I'm just here because I recognize these are hard times. And I'm not really interested in your property. In fact, I probably wouldn't develop this property if I owned your property, but maybe, you know, a little bit of money would help you out. And I know you think your house is worth this, but it is kind of run down, so it's only worth that. 
And over the next hour, I watched him befriend this couple. I watched him pour honey in their ear. I watched him build them up and make them feel good about their lives. And I watched him convince them to sell their house for less than the value because he probably was never going to even use it anyways. And I'm just trying to help you out. And one month after they closed on that property, I watched him bulldoze the house because he had already had in plans to build another development right where their house was. You see, why does anyone lie? Why have you been lied to? And I'm not just talking about the voice of the snake. Understand this. Every lie that you've ever heard, there has been a bigger game at play and a puppeteer reaching through to talk and deceive you in the path that you should go. In the case of this couple, losing out on that, those resources meant they would continue to struggle financially, even though they no longer had the burden of this house. They were being robbed of the bounty that God had provided for them by listening to someone who was a liar. And I want to warn you, and I'm try to say it with a smile on my face. This world is filled with liars. Now, there's a difference between somebody who tells a lie. Anybody here? Okay, I'm going to raise my hand. And there's a difference, though, between that and a liar. And there's also a difference between someone who has a spirit of lies. And that is something that's rampant in our world today. It always has been. Why lie? Ultimately, it's to convince the owner out of something of incredible value. So what does the snake want from Adam and Eve? I mean, is it really about an apple? Is it really about getting Eve in trouble? What is the snake after? What is the lie? Ultimately, what is Satan who speaks to the snake? What is he after? I want you to listen to this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the earth. What does that mean? Adam and Eve, I, God, the owner of heaven and earth, I've created you and I'm going to hand you the authority. I've created you good. I believe in you. I'm going to help you. I'm not taking off, but ultimately this is yours. You get to make decisions, you get to build, you get to lead, you get to dream, you get to name the animals, you get to command them, you get to send them in different directions. I mean, it was a perfect world, it's before the fall, it's not chaotic. I mean, this is, this is the corporation of all corporations, this is earth in its purest form. However, if the leader of any nation surrenders to the leader of another nation, his authority and all that it applies to transfers to the other nation. And if you, the leader of a nation, surrender to a slave in your nation, you bow down and hand them all of your authority and the slave rises up and takes over. Even if you were fooled. And here's the crazy thing about this. Satan, while he was here on the earth, he was cast to the earth, and God said to Adam and Eve, I give you dominion over everything on the earth. You might not realize this, but you have a snake who's being talked to through a slave to his master and convinces his master to submit to him. It's so bizarre. It's so crazy. Standing back out 30,000 feet away, we can all see this crazy thing. You're in charge. It's, it's like the parent that surrenders to their child. Uh, little kids. Or you know, oh, I shouldn't bring this up, probably. This will cause some problems. <laughs> you are the parent. You are to lead. 
But there's sometimes we're just like, oh, I just quit, and the kid takes over. How many of you know that you will have to pry that back out of almost their dead hands to get that back? How about somebody who's angry that you're leading them, and their heart is twisted and deceived, and they break out, and they convince you that you will bow to them? What is their agenda after that point, especially if they're an evil person, an evil being? Ultimately, Adam lied, or um, uh, Adam and Eve were lied to by the snake because he wanted what they had. He wanted their power. He wanted their control. He wanted their resources. And listen, this is the understanding you have to have. Yes, God is good. Yes, God owns the earth. However, he gave leadership over it to Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve gave management of the earth to Satan. That's why the New Testament refers to him as the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the strong man. You want to know why are the bad things happening on this earth? Because this earth has bowed to the taskmaster and he's ruling. It's not until you and I rise up and surrender our lives to God that we're able to once again take the authority to lead our own lives. That's one of the greatest values of following Jesus. You get to step back into the role, the position, the footsteps that God originally created you to walk in. Fallen earth though it is, you and I began to function like Adam and Eve were intended to function, leading our lives, taking dominion. And the enemy certainly doesn't want that to happen to you, so he's going to do everything he can to keep you in deception. Even once you step into a relationship with Jesus, he's going to fight it. Anybody you've experienced that? The moment you walk into this church, the moment the magnetic draw of the Holy Spirit begins to draw you and you step into these four doors, you're like, whoa, I've never felt this before. I thought God was stupid. This this is good. Oh, I want me some of this. As immediately as you start, I could have you raise your hands. Immediately, the second you start doing that, all hell begins to break loose. You know why? Because you're about to take possession of the very thing that was lost that he doesn't want to lose to you because he's had you bound and tied up and living in deception, biting down on deer turd your whole life. (laughs) You knew I was going to bring that back. But if all you've ever had is sweet or sour deer turd, that's what you will live on. But that's not what you're destined to have. God is good. He's got good things for you. He wants you to be the head and not the tail. But the key is going to become recognizing truth from deception and saying, Jesus, I plant my flag. I choose today. I will believe you. Believing him comes before believing in what he says. There are still things that I'm learning that he's saying to me. But here's what helps me to navigate. If I believe him, then anything that comes out of his mouth, I'm going to wrap my arms around. If I'm suspicious of him, if I'm blaming him for things that the devil has done, if I'm like, I don't know, it will be very hard to follow him. Now, you could start that way, but at some point when he proves himself to you, you've got to say, you know what? I repent. I've been saying I don't think you're believable, but you certainly are. I make my declaration, God is true, and I believe him. Amen? Okay. If a leader submits to a slave, we have this right in Romans chapter 6, verse 16. In fact, unknowingly, this is where you lived before you started following Jesus. 
I, I didn't realize, but this was true of me. The book there says, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. You submit to the person that you follow their instructions, even if you don't realize that it's a puppeteer. That's the whole ruse. In fact, the Bible says of the devil, he masquerades as an angel of light. You know what that word masquerade means? It means to pretend to be one thing, but to actually be something completely different. And some of those voices I hear in my head and some of those things I hear our culture saying and some of the things I hear coming from politics and people that I know, oh, oh yeah, that sounds totally legitimate. Oh, 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 hold on a second. But that's completely contrary to what the word of God says. Who's behind the puppeteer and what is his objective? Ultimately, he wants me to miss out on what God has for me. That's one of the things that always resonates with me. Every temptation, every moment there's a temptation, I understand that there is a bank robber with a gun on me because he wants me to hand over my treasure. And sometimes I don't know what the treasure is because the treasure is on the other side of the temptation. But I trust that he is believable. God is believable. What lies have, let me, a couple questions for you. What lies have you been told that paint God as being unworthy? What lies have you been told by people? What lies have you been told in your own thought process or your own schooling, your, ed, your education, right? Or the science. What lies have you been told to paint God as untrustworthy even circumstances you have experienced. There will be circumstances you experience with a couple of other voices will be, see, this is why you don't want to trust God. I mean, Eve was really, she's really gripped. She looked at the tree. She's like, God said it'll kill me. He says it won't. And I'm looking at it and it is the most beautiful fruit on all of the trees. There's always, always, always something on the other side of that temptation that this temptation is meant to keep you from. What narratives have you faced that now reinforce the view that God is unworthy? How pervasive in your life have those lies been? For some of you, it's been just an ongoing, grueling circumstance after circumstance, and what you haven't realized is what you're going through is not a season. It is repeated behavior. But you bought into this lie that this is just how life is and you keep listening to the voice and you keep bonking yourself on the head with a hammer because that's what the voice says to do. This will fix it. Go ahead and do that. And you, you end up with a lump on your head and you can't figure out why. Uh, it's, just a season. it's just a difficult season. No, it's not. Hear me just for a second. It's not. Your belief will inform your steps which will lead to destinations. If there's a recurring theme in your life, it's because, yes, maybe you believe in God. But again, this is not about believing in God. I believe in the devil. You seeing, seeing that there? I don't follow him. I don't believe what he says. I believe Jesus. And so when I am in those moments, yes, my actions and my response to what I'm hearing leads me to places. And if this theme keeps recurring, it's time for you to stand up, plant your flag, and say, I'm going to believe God. 
Believing the source will then lead to believing what the source says, and what you believe determines where you go in this lifetime. It's just, it, it, it's it. Believing the source. You okay? Yeah. Somebody smile, somebody cheer. Okay, good stuff, okay. Let me ask you this question. Who is really behind those lies? You already know, I gave you that already. Why have these lies been told to you? And what are you missing out on because you've believed those lies? Take it through for a second. What's at stake here? Like for Adam and Eve, we could see it so clearly. They are banished from the garden. They've given, they, nothing's been taken from them. They gave it away. And nothing has been taken from us most of the time. Typically, we gave it away. Yeah, something bad happens to us. And then we say, oh, I lost a quarter, so here's $1,000. In a sense, that's how we respond to tragedy in our lives. Uh, you know, I have a grandfather who died at age 95, which is some years back, my dad's dad. Um, I w- it was really interesting. He grew up as a machinist. He was a shorter guy, about 5'1", had... This muscle on his hand was bigger than my thighs. I mean, this is a guy who grabbed steel and squished it and shoved it into machines. And, and he was a no-nonsense guy, worked three jobs most of his life. And um, I had a conversation with him that was fascinating because as I became a Christian, I wanted to share that with my family. And my grandfather had a spiritual, probably only spiritual conversation we ever had. It was very direct and to the point. He says, Steve, you don't know this, but I went to Baptist seminary. I was like, what? I've got a grandfather who went to Baptist seminary, Bible college. He went to Bible college to learn how to become an embalmer. He wanted to become a mortician. He wanted to make his money in that, I don't know why, but in that arena. And in the process back then, a mortician had to not only prepare the body, but he was in charge of the funeral services. And so there was this element of training on how to handle dead bodies that he was experiencing. And on the other side, he was having to go to these Bible classes, which were all new for him. Now, working out of a Bible college, practicing the craft of embalming, it wasn't the high-paying people who would show up, hey, you know, we're, we got the money to pay for this. Hey, you college student, go ahead and give this a shot. Now, people with money and resources, they pay a, a firm, but people who maybe are, are abandoned or an infant that passes away or somebody who's homeless... It ended up being the people who are on down, down and outers in life, experiencing life's most difficult spots, ended up being embalmed by my grandfather's class. A lot of children, a lot of infants, back in those days before some of the, some of the health stuff we understand today. And he told me flat out, he said, and he told me a couple crazy stories I don't need to go into that were pretty fascinating and creepy, but he said, the vast majority of the work that I did was on small infants, and I took one look at those children, and I said, if there is a God, he would never allow this to happen. I will never serve a God like this. And he actually left seminary and being a mortician because of that reality. Now, what you need to hear is he didn't come up with that on his own. That's a suggestion. It's void Yes, God is all-powerful. Yes, God is all-knowing. Yes, God is all-loving. But a loving God who gives you free will stands back and lets you make choices, right or wrong. And your choices will affect other people. What kind of loving God would, would allow that? 
well, would it really be love if in dealing with my child, I grabbed them by the neck and steered them into everything I want them to do, including loving me? Say, I love you. I don't know if I want Say, I love you. You're a little terrified, like, whoa, flashbacks. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was counseling for that. See Trisha afterwards. She's good with that kind of thing. I'm not. I'm like, don't do that anymore. Okay, so would that be love? No, love is experienced when... I step back from you, you have free will, and we introduce something else for you to love, and yet you decide to love me anyways. That's love. The choice to love me. I choose to love you. God has chosen to love you. He's expressed that. The reason why bad things happen in this world are because God loves you and has given you free will, and other people have taken advantage of that free will and made bad choices, and those bad choices impact everyone around them. And the dead child laying on that bed, that gurney, has nothing to do with the love of God. It has everything to do with the wicked one deceiving people from day one. It's plain as day. The, the evidence lays itself out. We are, but this is what the enemy is so good at, blaming God for things he's done. If you ever had a sibling, there's usually one better liar than the other, and somebody's in trouble all the time who maybe didn't do it. And one of the enemy's greatest tactics is to have you look at the work he has done, which is to steal, kill, and destroy, and to actually listen to the whisper that God did that. God, if you were so loving, you know how loving God is? God sent his son to break you out of the deception. He sent his son, his one and only son. More than just saved you by saving you, he sacrificed his son to break you out of the deception. Jesus is standing before Pilate, and he reiterates what was said in the garden. I have come to declare truth. I've come to tell you the truth so that you can live according to the truth. I think the worship team's probably gonna, probably ought to come. I don't know where I'm at. Here are my slides I've got. So hopefully that was helpful so far. Um, the, it is a long game. Do you know that the devil is playing a long game with you? It's a long strategy. Again, get up here and look down on Adam and Eve. You can see it. But can you, can you get up above the temptation, the frustrations? Can you see it at work in your own life? Can you see the play? Can you see the thing after the thing after the thing after the thing? Just after, just after you went to conference, you were stirred up, you bought the t-shirt, woo! Me and God are good, then something bad happens. Does it not work like that? Why does it work like that? man, you start stepping into the good things that God has. See, the enemy can't keep you from those things, but if he can punch you a couple times and get you to shrink back, that's what he's after. You being punched in the face because you're pursuing after God, you declare the truth of God over your life. God has called me. Jesus gave his life for me. He's rising me up. He's, he's, he's cleansing who I am. He's empowering me. He's giving me his knowledge. You can try to attack my child. You're going to try to attack, uh, attack my income enemy. I don't care what you do. I will still believe God. You start making firm declarations. And the Bible says, resist the devil. And what will he do? Keep fighting you? That's not what the Bible says. Resist and he will flee. 
show up to church three weeks in a row. So what we love to do, you get attacked by the enemy and so I just need some time away. Yeah, you do need some time away from the devil, not from, not from God. Get into the house of God, get locked in and get it into a track record. Oh, pastors, you're just saying that. You're just, you're talking to me. Yes, I am. You know, you're just, you're just, you're just poking your finger at me. Yes, I am. You know why? Because I did the same thing to my kids. Why? Because I love them. What well, delights to be awesome. My buddy Scott, he attends a church right now that he's about to leave. <laughs> I don't recommend this, but under this circumstance, the church has decided they're leaning into what they call theological hospitality. Theology, truths about God, hospitality, welcoming people. And they've leaned into a style of church that does not declare truth. In fact, they say our job is not to tell you the truth. It's to introduce you to the Bible and for you to find out the truth on your own. Here's the thing. I'm flying down the freeway. My car's on fire. I need somebody to stand out and say, you're on fire! To declare truth so that I can hear in a way that's loving, but that will help me to know I am on fire. Well, you're... Looking good today, glowing a bit. Here, would you like some coffee? Uh, don't, careful, don't offend him. He'll be offended if we point out that he's on fire. Listen, everybody's welcome at this church, but never in the set, nobody, and myself included, theological hospitality is out the door. The word of God declared over our lives that infuses our lives with faith, right? We would never offend you on purpose, but you need to know the truth. The truth will do what? It will set you free. Well, Jesus might be one of the options. You know, we don't want to be so narrow-minded. No, he's the only option. That's it. There's no other option. Jesus will heal you. Jesus' word is true. I know, but if we, if I, you know, my, my coworker told me, they didn't, uh, your coworker is a puppet at times. Stand with me. Give me the very last slide, guys. That's all I got time for. It's late. Uh, following Jesus ultimately is... Following Jesus is the decision to believe God. It's ultimately where it starts. I decide to believe Jesus. Now today, for depending on where you are in your, your walk with God, maybe you're being drawn, but you haven't established that. You haven't said, I'm gonna believe God. I'm gonna believe Jesus. Regardless of my opinion, my upbringing, my thoughts, I've made a decision. The source of my truth is the way, the truth, the life. His name is Jesus. I'm going to plant my flag in that. I make my declaration. I'm going to believe God. No matter what happens, I'm going to believe God. I would invite you to make that decision today. Now, some of you have already made that decision, but likely you've hit some big crisis. And man, the, the lie is a good one. It's convincing. Ah. Uh, I know the Bible says this, but, that's a big stinky butt, by the way, but if you do this and do that, you can still follow Jesus. No, 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 this is a deception to keep you from the truth that God has for you. Time to plant your flag and say, you know what, today I'm gonna believe God. I'm stuck of being in the spot I'm in. I'm stuck of this holding pattern that's lasted for two decades. I started listening to the wrong voice a long time ago. I got hurt in church. I got offended at someone. They said, they didn't say hi to me. 
what kind of Christian does that? What a bunch of, and I went off this long tirade and I've been not believing God because of somebody who didn't even realize I was there. I'm gonna believe God. It's time for me to start experiencing the good things that God has for me because who I believe leads to what I believe, which leads to life's outcomes, okay? Just with your eyes open and looking right at me, if you're already believing God, great. If you're locked in at 100%, but if there's an area of your life that you need to reestablish your belief in God, or if you need to believe God for the very first time, I want you to make your way out of your seat. Come and join me in the altar. This is not a place for bad people. This is the step we take into the next step in our lives where we pray together, where we believe God together. So if you need to believe God for a circumstance or a situation, make your way out of your chair. Join me here. We're gonna sing in a couple of seconds, but I'm gonna pray over you. And some of you, listen, the enemy is whispering in your ear right now saying, no, 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 no. What will they, what will so-and-so next standing right next to you think? Another lie. Come on up. Come all the way up. Don't you get right. Get right up in here. Come on. Come on. Boldly. Look at me. Look at me. Boldly. Boldly. God's got good stuff for you. Boldly. Boldly. Why would you not grab what God's got for you on the table and say, yes, God, you've got good things for me. Say no to the whispers. Okay. Anybody else? You're coming. A couple of you coming. Getting baptized next week, girl. Huh? So good. So proud of you. Anybody else? Listen, this is the moment you break some of the, I was gonna say crap, but it's not appropriate in church. It's where you break some of the garbage off your life that's been keeping you from what God has for you. Come on, I'll give you a couple more seconds. I'm not gonna play on your emotions though. I'm not gonna tell you a sad, sad story and start to cry. You gotta want it more than I can convince you. The good things God has for you. Do me a favor, you guys pull this way. You guys pull up this way. I don't know what your name, what's your name? Kyle. Kyle, it's nice to meet you. Good to have you here today. Welcome, come on, pull over here, okay? Kyle, I'm going to pray for you specifically because I don't know you and, and I want to make a new buddy today. Is that okay? All right, God's good. Come on, a couple of you that believe God and know his power, I want you to get around here, some of our leaders. We're going to pray for these guys. Um, you can, somebody else can also pray for Kyle, but I'll come down and pray for Kyle in a second, all right? Come on, they're going to play in a second. I want you with faith. Say it with me. God's got good things for me. Good things. God's got good things for me. God's got good things for me. Calista, he does. He does. There have been lies that have been told to you. Some of them are religious lies. Do you know that there are variations of truth to keep you from being locked in? I'm not saying I got all the truth, but Jesus does, right? There are relationships that will keep you out of all the good things that you've got. It's always interesting to watch a teenager who's on fire, steps into the church, gets all fired up, woo! And then some, whoa, temptation comes out of the woodwork. Yes, even in church. All of a sudden, no, 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 don't follow Jesus, follow me. Guard yourself on that stuff, okay? God's got good things for you. He's got, he's got good, he's already given you good, he's got good things for you. He's got good things for you. And you got good people around you. Here's the beauty of, of when we struggle to believe. We got people around us believing for us, pushing us over the finish line, right? Okay, come on, let's lift up our voice. Let's begin to pray. Come on, Father, we love you. We honor you in this place. God, we lift up our voice. We're believing you, God, for breakthrough. We declare today, God, I believe. I plant my flag in the truth of the scripture that says Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Before I believe any specific thing said, I declare I believe God. No matter what whispers come my way, no matter what circumstances come my way, no matter what comes at me, I will believe God. 
Come on, declare it over yourself in the audience. I will believe God. I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. God, we believe you. We trust you. We honor you. Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to like and subscribe and visit us at c3swwa.com for more information about our church.